Hey, what is up? Hello, and welcome in to another edition of Downey and Marquez, a Bucks Nation podcast right here on SB Nation. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about. The first game of the NFL season is in the books, and it was the defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers getting a last-second victory over the Dallas Cowboys. And we are here to talk about all of that, and we will give our NFL season predictions before the season, well, it officially is going, before it gets into full swing with a full slate of games this Sunday and Monday. I am Trey Downey. Uh, with you every single week and with me every single week is the other half of this dynamic duo the one and only Lynn Martez OPI or not OPI that is the question man is that the is that your biggest takeaway from 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 last night's game because I got a lot hey, of, I got I got a lot of I have a lot stuff. of I have a lot of takeaways but if it's yeah. called OPI we were sitting here maybe discussing something totally different. No, yeah, I okay. Let's 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 dig right in. No, well, you can dig in wherever you want. No, no, just, no. Well, I, I, I just said it. I just asked. I just asked the question. I didn't. No, I needed something to open with, and that's how I opened. Well, what I what I actually want to debate is sitting is sitting here today is if that was called OPI, like how much differently. Are we looking back at last night? Like how much oh, different my point. Really is you, look, the you lose that game. Oh, you lose that game. Yeah, yes, but to me, to me, to me, I don't like I'm not super over the moon positive about a lot of the things that the Bucks that the Bucks did last night. And if that is OPI, like that's that's a crappy loss, but I don't necessarily view that last night's game in a completely different perspective if they were to have lost it 29, 28, as opposed to, as opposed to winning it, like, yes, it it matters in the grand scheme of things and playoff seating and all of that. But I'm just going as far as a scope of what I saw, what I saw on the field last night, Chris Godwin making that catch and Ryan suck up making that field goal didn't make me feel a huge way different about the Bucks performance as a whole on uh, on the opening night of the season. I get it. I understand what you're saying, but here's here's the thing. And certainly if we went good, bad, ugly, we could certainly find a, probably a good amount of bad in regards to the performance last night. And, and this is not to knock a team that, that, that won because in reality, you know, now that you play 17, ultimately you, you play Sunday, you play Monday, or last night was Thursday, play to win. And that's what they did. But here's the thing for yeah. me. Here's the reason why I asked that question initially, too, is the fact that, Trey, going into that football game, over 90% of the money was on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to cover, to cover. You know what that means? That means that everyone, every nine people that were watching that game last, every, every nine out of 10 thought the Bucs were going to cover the spread, which means that it was supposed to be a blowout. Last night was supposed to be a blowout. You were supposed to be able to to take advantage of Zach Martin not being there, take advantage of a team that wouldn't be able to run the football because you're as good as you are defensively against. And they still weren't able to run the football. And you're supposed to take advantage of a running uh, a quarterback that hadn't played in about you know what 
six months and who was coming off an ankle injury and supposedly had a shoulder injury or a lat injury to go into it too. One so, that he's going to get an MRI on every two weeks. To make sure to everything is out. cool. Yeah. That's my point. That's why I said, because if, the, if, if that is called OPI, in all likelihood, they don't win that football game. They're pushed back further. They lose that, whatever it is. However, the situation changes, they probably lose that football game. So that's why I said what I said. Not only that, think about the narrative before the game started. For weeks, what have you heard about? Oh, Tom Brady is, has only done has only done one thing. Has not only done well. He has only done one thing in the NFL, and he nearly did it in 2007. And that's go undefeated. People were talking about this yeah. team going undefeated. Okay, so that OPI, not OPI, if just that play is changed, they lose, and all of a sudden you go from talking about that team winning every game including the Super Bowl, and yet they lost week one when they were nine-point favorites. I'm not here to bash them for winning. I'm just talking about the, the narrative that went into what happened before the game and what happened at the end. No, and I, I agree with you on that, and I agree, and I will say that I think if the Bucks lose that game, the negatives from last night were going to be even more amplified. If they, if they come out of that game 0-1, people are going to, instead of people talking about, oh, Tom Brady does it again, the Super Bowl champs start 1-0, but maybe the Cowboys are just better than we thought they were. The narrative is then, to me, switched if the Bucs lose, lose that game. Oh, the Bucs have major issues in the secondary. Oh, yeah. Why they lose? What are they going to do at running back? They're, both of their running backs have issues, which... To be honest, they do, and the Bucks might have some issues in the secondary. But the the national narrative, and both of us working on working in local radio, we know what callers would be saying would be saying today. Them losing versus them pulling out that win at the end. But at the end of the day, those two plays don't change much for me. That's that's all I was going. Big that's picture. All I was You're going right. For big there. picture. Yeah. No, big picture. I get it. I understand. Big picture. Bottom line is NFC South, one team has played so far, and there's one team that's one and zero, and that's that's Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So again, when you start, when you when you practice for the Dallas Cowboys, and at the end of the game, you you win that football game, that's the most important thing. That's the bottom line. But but as far as what you're talking about, you're talking big picture, and you can dissect the heck out of this football game and think about wow, you know, there's there's some things that. You know, that didn't look good last night. And whether you're Bruce Arians or Tom Brady, they know that. It's the first thing they come out of that football game, thinking that it shouldn't have been that big of a struggle because of the mistakes they made and how much they need to clean up things. That's, how, that's why one guy's won seven Super Bowls and the other one's won two Coach of the Year awards because that's how they yep. perfect themselves. That's how they do things. They know they didn't, they didn't play their best football game last night. In addition to that, you mentioned the secondary. One of the things that I came away with about that secondary last night is the fact that, you know, Chris Collinsworth, and God bless him, because Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth are the best in the biz. You can argue who you like better, whatever. Bottom line is those guys are really good at what they do. Really good. But Collinsworth made the point yesterday that he saw one weakness when it came to looking up and down their roster. And he said the secondary. And I sat there and I thought, and this is after the Storm Murphy Budden injury. And I sat there and I thought, my man, you only start four. 
maybe five if you play, you know, if you, if, if you play a, a, a four, two, five defense. Which basically or the three, three, entire five NFL defense. does. Yeah. Whatever you do, however you, however you defend, however you defend teams coming out with three wide receivers, whatever. But again, technically you only start four, maybe five. And you lost two of your starters. Find me a team in the yeah. NFL that can lose a safety and lose a starting cornerback and be like, oh, your depth's not going to be tested. Of course it's going to be tested. It was tested last night, and rightfully, Dak Prescott did what he did, it, and he completed 42 passes, and he threw for 400 yards. And although they weren't able to run the football, their running game, their passing game was their running game. As quickly as the ball came out, and, you know, again, you take two starters off of any secondary, and they're going to struggle. That's how it is. Nobody goes six deep in their secondary. Oh, well, we won't skip a beat. BS. It happens in NFL. That's why I was like, wait a second. I mean, like, think about think about the, the draft picks that have happened over the last two years, Trey, or three years, four years. When it comes to 2018, 2019, we get Carlton Davis. And in 2019, you get Sean Murphy Bunton, you get Mike Edwards, you get Jamel Dean, you get all these guys. And granted, God bless Tom Brady because he is the biggest piece, the final piece that came to Tampa Bay to make this team a Super Bowl winning football team. But all those picks I mentioned, along with a lot of that defense, was here before he got here. So credit has to be given to this, to this team for putting this team together, meaning Jason Light and his personnel department, but also the fact that, again, you can't tell me you can't lose two starters on somebody's secondary and be like, oh, well, we won't skip a beat. I'm going to get into what worries me about that, about how it kind of played out in, in just a second, but never got into this at the beginning. Remember, follow Lynn on Twitter at Elmar810. Follow myself on Twitter at TD Experience and follow Bucks Nation on Twitter at Bucks underscore Nation and check out BucksNation.com for all of your latest news, analysis, stories on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming out of last night's game and moving forward going into the rest of the regular season let's start there let's go let's go with the secondary let's go with one of the more I guess negative aspects of what happened last night and I think that talking more big picture I think that come late in the season we might be talking about this game and what happened as more of a indication that the Cowboys are a good football team and they're the best team in the NFC East more than the Bucks have more than the Bucks have trouble that might be the case Dak Prescott might be an MVP candidate I don't know but what worried me about what happened in the secondary was after Sean Murphy Bunting went down early in the game on uh, the first touchdown for the Cowboys and in an injury which by the way Looked pretty bad. The x-ray has come back negative. He's going to get an MRI on that. So Bruce Arians and the Buccaneers are hopeful that they'll get Sean Murphy bunting back sooner rather than later. The issue that I saw last night was with the play of Jamel Dean. Because yes, Sean Murphy bunting is a starter, but you talked about starting four or five. I consider the Bucs having a starting five in that in that secondary. And Murphy Bunting plays a lot in the slot and a lot on the outside are Dean and Carlton Davis. So what Dean was asked to do last night wasn't a huge departure from what he's typically from what he's typically asked to do. It was Ross Cockrell who kind of slid into that slot corner position and 
a lot where the Cowboys had success, they were kind of picking on Jamel Dean. And yes, this is just one game, but that's why I was, to me, it wasn't even the struggles that were had last night weren't even necessarily a direct impact of the Sean Murphy bunting injury. That was why I, I was, ah, Jamel, rough game. Hopefully he can rebound. I mean, if you look at his stats from last year, he was definitely hugely improved from his first season. But that was my biggest issue was that I felt like the, the issues last night weren't directly tied to the injuries. It was more the guys that you're going to see out there on a regular basis that I was concerned with their play. No, and, and I get it. In, in, in your terms, you're thinking Dean wasn't asked to do anything other than what he's what he's known or supposed to do, whether Sean Murphy Bunting is out there or not. Here's the thing, though. And the thing is, is that, trust me, when you lose a guy, even though you say to yourself, well, I'm not moving – I'm not moving much. Maybe my responsibilities change just a little bit. Bottom line is that guy that's usually over there that you rely on isn't there anymore. So mm-hmm. now all of a sudden, back in your mind, you're thinking, okay, do I need to cheat a little bit? Do I need to give Cockrell a little more help? What, what, do, what do I have to do to make sure that this defense doesn't suffer a little bit? It's psychological, but it's a big deal because Jamel may be thinking in terms of Sean Murphy Bunton's over there. I don't have to worry about a daggone thing. Now all of a sudden that guy is gone. And now all of a sudden things change a little bit. And now all of a sudden you start peeking in the backfield a little more, looking at the quarterback when you shouldn't be. Those type of things happen. It's, it's human nature. It's human nature in any type of position, like when you're working sure. along somebody. It's just the way it is. And as far as the struggles last night for Dean, again, he, it made through him off a little bit, losing Sean Murphy Bunting. And, and, Eventually, things things got tightened up, but I don't I don't really blame the secondary for giving up all those yards they gave up last night because again the ball's coming out quick. And what and what you found out that last night was that although the, the Cowboys' offensive line was missing Zach Martin, they protected Dak pretty well. I mean, you and Dak obviously stood in there a whole lot too. I mean, I watched last night. We all watched it last night. I'm watching and Dominican Sue. By the way for the 12, 13 years of his career, listed as what? A defensive tackle. Where'd you see him play last night? D end rushing from the outside and hitting Dak Prescott. Rushing as a defensive end and getting to Dak Prescott. And I'll tell you what, bro, it's one thing to have a defensive tackle that as big as Dominican Sue is, weighs 310, maybe 315, maybe a little more, and it was all house. It was all brick. But then all of a sudden, he's playing defensive end. You know what that means? A little more steps, a little more speed coming at you. More speed, power. And you still more power, more mass, everything coming at you a whole lot more. Like I said, you ask anybody that played this game, heck, at the, at the, at the low levels that I played it at, I can tell you that, you know what I'd rather have? I'd rather have a fat guy hit me who's not moving very fast, but just as bigger than a defensive back hitting me. You want to know why? Because a defensive back gets speed, gets power, and it's impact. Well, when you're playing defensive end instead of defensive tackle, there's a whole lot more speed, a whole lot lot more impact 
that's going to come at you. And that's what Indomitian Sue did last night. I was out, and he didn't do it just one time. He did it multiple times playing defensive end while JPP lined up over the center. That's how flexible. Standing up over the center, too. Yes, that's how flexible this defensive line is, and that's how much Todd Bowles changes things around. But my, my point is, is the fact that the football is coming out quickly. As much as they were getting to Dak, the football is coming out quickly, which at times you blitz. You blitz. Dak was smart enough to read the hot read. Boom, ball's coming out. Who do you blame? Who do you want to blame? You can't blame the secondary because, again, Dak's reading the hot read. So, the to you, is it ju- so to you, is it just a good, a good game plan from Dallas? Is Dallas Absolutely. better than we expected? Absolutely, because you send five. You blitz, you blitz Devin White or you blitz Cockrell, and all of a sudden Dak has a hot lead. Boom, tight end, boom, running back, or boom, CeeDee Lamb in the slot. That's how it happened. That's what, that's what happened last night. And because of it, again, I don't blame the secondary for as bad as, it play, as some might say it played because, A, you're missing two starters, and, B, the ball was coming out so quick they weren't getting a chance to play defense. So is this the is this the blueprint moving forward though? Is That's this a really good question. Yeah, is this something that can be taken advantage of moving forward through the because we kind of saw this a little bit in the early uh, years of Todd Bowles here here in Tampa Bay before last year the secondary really blossomed and the defense blossomed as a whole. We saw issues on the back end. They've had a great run defense every year that Todd Bowles has been here, but last year was the first year that they took that step into an elite defense as a whole and not just an elite run defense. Is that something that can be that teams are going to look at that? They're going to watch that film from that first game. And they're going to say, this is how we've got to attack this, this uh, Bucks defense moving forward. Now the Bucks offense is still going to be able to put up points, but are the Bucks going to be in more shootouts than we expected in 2021? No, the, the, the blue, the blueprint is there. Here's the issue though. <laughs> you got to have, what Dallas had is last night too. You have to have three quality wide receivers. You have to run the offense that they that they that they run, and the ball has to come out quickly. Now, listen, especially in this league, last night you watched it. You watched it last night. There's two quarterbacks that you know what? One, two, three balls out. One, two, three balls out. One, two, three balls out. There's no seven step drops. You want a seven-step drop? Okay, you're going to leave yourself susceptible to getting your quarterback hurt. So, again, if you run the offense like a team ran it, like Dallas runs it, then, yeah, you you may have the blueprint to to attacking the defense. Now, again, you still make adjustments, too, because you may just be like, you know what, flat out, boom, we're going to play. We're going to play it straight. We'll play it straight. We won't even cover with five. We'll cover with four. We'll, we'll trust our we'll trust our guys to get to get to the quarterback. We'll trust Vita Vey to push your center back into your my lord. That, that, <laughs> that guy, dude, like, seriously. And he him and him and Aaron Donald's not as big as Vita Vea, and Aaron Donald doesn't play nose tackle 100 percent So they're a little bit of a different style of player. But if you're talking about best interior defensive lineman in the league Aaron Donald's in another stratosphere he's one of the top players in the NFL he's probably already an NFL Hall of Famer but right behind him an interior defensive lineman in the NFL Vita Vea might be there dude listen you watch I mean you can watch all all the teams in the NFL watch them all watch all the defensive tackles there aren't 
but a handful of guys that do what those two guys you mentioned do, where they take your center and just push him back into your quarterback like the center's not even there. Like, he, like he's got wheels on his feet, dude. That's exactly what Vita Vea did last night. And, and there's no reason why to think he can't continue to do that. That's why he's such a big uh, part of this defense, which goes back to what I mentioned as far as the draft is concerned, right? You start dissecting the draft 2018, 2019, you start thinking, damn, we got a whole lot of good defensive pieces. Yeah. Back, you know what I mean? You start thinking about, okay, Vita Vea, uh, Carlton Davis, Jordan Whitehead. Okay, that's one draft. You get three starters out of one, three starting defensive plays out of one draft. That's pretty damn good. Then you hop into the other draft. Sean Murphy Bunton, Devin White, Jamel Dean. That's three more, dude, in back-to-back years, okay? Again, God bless Tom Brady because he is the final piece and he is the biggest piece. I'm the guy that tells you, dude, tell me who's taking my snaps on Sunday. Who's my quarterback? All right, I'm betting that guy. Quarterbacks matter to me, okay? But again, what we need to realize and we lose, we lose, we lose the facts that those two drafts, dude, came up with six defensive starters. Ridiculous. And and again, those guys are gonna be here a whole long time. They're youth, they're, they're young, they're getting better daily. And you know, it, it matters. And I'm not telling you that it won't matter who's taking snaps for this team, because again, 12 is 12 is the is you know, he's the stuff. I must cuss. <laughs> but uh, when it comes to creating the defense that they created, I mean, it, you got to give a lot of credit to, to that, that personnel department for doing what they did. And you can talk about the previous years and, and, and you know, f- f- 2015, guys not showing up, Vernon Hargraves in 2014. Sure, we can, we can go talk about those drafts, but that's why they call the draft a crapshoot. And that's why, you know, even though you miss one year, Hey, you got another shot. Hit on this yep. one, okay? But you can't be a general manager that goes bad, too bad, too bad, not fixing your problems, i.e. Dave Gettleman in New York and the Giants. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you want to talk about drafts. I mean, people talk about the Colts getting uh, Quentin Nelson and Darius Leonard in the same draft as like an all-timer. But look at what the Bucs have done recently too. And it's lended itself to, to a Super Bowl winning uh, football team. So we've talked about a lot of the bright spots as far as, as far as the defenses go. Shaq Barrett looked good last night as well. Um, I mean, there's nothing, I don't think there's anything else to discuss on the, on the defensive side of the ball, other than the fact that we're just going to have to watch it moving forward and see if other teams try to, imp, uh, try to go after the bucks the same way that uh, the Cowboys did last night. Well, I, I think it would be remiss if we didn't mention the fact that Alvin Adams 26 came off the practice squad and ended up, ended up playing as much as he did yesterday. Andrew uh, Adams. Al- Andrew Adams. Yes. Andrew Adams. Uh, Buccaneers with- legend interception legend oh yeah three interceptions one game against cam newton um yeah you know the fact that that you have a player and he wasn't the only one that came up the practice squad and had a great game yesterday too by the way but Jaden mickens yep but as far as defense is concerned adams did pressed into service right press into service um and like a professional dude ready to play and granted initially there were there were some uh, some rough spots, but he made a huge play on Zeke Elliott, one on one, 
outside. And, and, and any safety is like, me, it's me and you, dude. And if he doesn't make that play, Elliot gets the first down. And he took him down. And he took him down like, <laughs> like yeah, I've been playing this game. So, uh, and, and Zeke's not easy to pull down. So kudos to Andrew Adams for being able to uh, be ready and to play as well as he did. Yeah, and, and let's give Andrew his credit because a lot of people on social media are pointing to that play specifically as saying this means Ezekiel Elliott is washed. Maybe Andrew Adams is a better, yeah, is a little oh no. bit of a better player than you give him credit for. No, you, you can't. You can't call a player washed up over one play. Number one, number two is it happens. It it happens. Some guys go lower than another guy, and and they, and they take you down. And and it you can watch it. You can you can watch highlights of of. Uh, you know, all of a sudden, a D-back comes and hits hits a guy in his hips, and you hit a guy in his hips. He ain't going nowhere. Yep. So that just happens. All right, let's move to let's move to the offensive side of the ball and what the Bucks did last night, and it was mostly positive, especially especially through the air. Uh, Antonio Brown made big plays. Chris Godwin made who did? big plays. Wait, who did? Antonio Brown. Yes, Antonio Brown made the big third, plays. The, the best third receiver in the NFL, boy. Chris Godwin made big plays. I'm still, waiting for, I'm still waiting for your homework assignment. Finding me a better third wide receiver let, than let, Antonio Brown. Let, let, let the season play out. Oh, uh, really? We're gonna let the season. <laughs> I mean, you, you you extend you extended my deadline. I'm a little bit of a procrastinator. You said I can tell you as the you said I you said you could even uh, wait into the season to tell me, and I'm, I'm going you, to take all I, the time I need. Okay, but I'll tell you what I'll, though. Uh, I tell you what, so um, <laughs> it's probably going to be a. I don't know if I'm ever going to turn in my homework, but uh, well, we'll, we'll I'll, see I'll, what I'll say this much, okay? When the votes get calculated, and it's a landslide in week five, where he, ha- you know, any more 121 yard games <laughs> and, and long 47 yard touchdown catches, you know, you may not want to make that phone call to concede. But at some point, you got to concede the, the race and say, hey, oh, yeah, congratulations, Leno, on winning the vote. Uh, yeah. Congratulations. Good luck. Good luck in the four years office. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll just never concede. That's like the end thing oh, now. Oh, yeah. It's pretty popular. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but so Godwin and Brown looked great. Rob Gronkowski had a throwback game if you looked at uh dan orlovsky of espn's uh twitter page uh i believe it was the second gronk touchdown he pointed out how it was how it was a read of brady's on the defense and he told gronk what to do right before the right before the snap and it 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 was just a a, an amazing read and two guys who know each other so well what if we in that instance right there what have we talked about when it came to gronk don't worry about his 40 speed. The dude nope. is and like, like like we've talked about, you know, meathead, you know, you know, just the just the guy you think just all he wants to do is, you know, hit the EDM club and and, and dance and act the <laughs> act the fool. Yeah, act the fool on uh on boats and cruises or whatever. The dude is <laughs> the dude's got it up here. And I'm talking about yep. his head. When it comes to playing football, he finds open spots. He knows his quarterback. He knows what his quarterback likes. He knows where his quarterback wants him. Like I mentioned yesterday on Twitter, 
on that touchdown, the first one, was a simple post-up. Teams have been trying to stop that post-up for decades when it came to Gronk. Run, find an open spot in the, deep, in the uh, end zone, turn, boom, football's there. No one's going to get around him. They ain't getting over him. All right? So, yeah. again, when it comes to, like we talked about it, you know, and, and yesterday, last night was living proof. The nine catches, the two touchdowns was living proof of the fact that, again, you may call this guy a meathead and just, oh, he's just gronk, oh, WWE, his future and all that. No, dude, that dude is a football player and he knows the game. For sure. And that's why he is one of the greatest tight ends of all time, maybe the greatest tight end in the history of the NFL. Uh, I mean, if you want to look at pass catchers and didn't have a great Mike Evans was MIA for a lot of the for a lot of the game. But I think when we're talking about this football team and how many targets that they have, I think that while yes, it might look concerning if we go multiple games and Mike Evans is that guy that's MIA. I think that one of these guys might be MIA per game, because if you go, if you change, if you give Mike Evans, those two touchdowns that Gronk got inside the red zone, we're looking completely differently. And I don't think people are saying that Gronk was MIA in that instance. So I think Gronk getting those red zone targets and things like that, as opposed to Mike, Mike did, Mike did look like he was limping on a few occasions, which might be something to, to worry about moving forward. But other than that, I'm not too worried about Mike Evans. This happened for stretches last season. It happened in stretches when the Bucs weren't playing particularly well. And I do still think that the Bucs offense is at its best, absolute best, when they're targeting Mike Evans a good amount. But the performance that that passing game put on last night, I cannot criticize the lack of targets that Mike Evans got in the season opener. Yeah, now, you, if, yeah you wouldn't be you wouldn't be in the... You wouldn't be doing the, the offense justice if you did that. That's number yeah. one. Number two is it's game by game, like you said, because there's going to be games where last night, like Antonio Brown, again, you put you put what technically is the third best wide receiver on one team, and you line them up against a team's third best defensive back. Uh that's not really how it is because technically he is, you know, a two or one in this league still, and your D back isn't. And because of that, there's going to be times where, where the, the game plan is going to be, okay, let's see if we can get uh, Antonio to take the top off and get behind the defense. And once you've done that a few times, defenses will adjust. And what will happen is teams will start taking that away. What that does when teams start taking taking away the, the, over the top, then the middle of the inf- the middle of the field opens up, and that's where you get Mike Evans. So it's going to be game by game. T- teams are going to be playing you differently. They're going to not want you to beat them beat deep, and when they don't, voila, thirteen's in the game. Thirteen's making ten catches. So again, it'll be week by week. But as long as uh, twelve is making those decisions and throwing the football the way he is, and he realizes that. All I got to do is hold on to this football one more second. And that safety is not going to move fast enough for me to get this ball down the field. That's all you want, dude. As long as 12 is making the decisions, he'll get the ball to the guy who's open. 
And right now, last night, it was his tight end for the most part. And it was 81 and 14. It'll be 13's time some soon. It'll be game by game. All right, let's talk about the running game, though, because neither of the Bucks running backs that we basically said all offseason are 1A and 1B in terms of being the starter had great nights. And, but I think that the one that you kind of have to have to zoom in on is Ronald Jones because of what happened in Bruce Arians' comments afterwards on why things were the way they were for the rest of that game because I think that is something that we are going to have to super keep an eye on moving forward. Ronald Jones, clean, clean as day, clean one, two, three in the middle of the ring, no shenanigans, no outside interference, gets the ball stripped. And to me, that looked like the days at training camp when you and I were sitting there at the running back drills and every single time the coaches were going to strip the ball from Ronald Jones and it was coming out pretty consistently. Yes. It only happened one time, but my issue now with that is that Leonard Fournette went in for the entire rest of the game, and Bruce Arians said that the reason for that is because that got in Ronald Jones's head, and it was too big of a game for Rojo to for him to put Rojo out there and have that going on in his brain, and. That's the Rojo from rookie season that a lot of people were trying to say was a bust. That's not the Rojo that I saw for the majority of last season that I said was clearly the better back than Leonard Fournette and has the potential to be a top 10 running back in the NFL. That's Rojo reverting back to his, I guess, old ways, whatever you want to call it. Now, it's a good thing that the Bucs still have Leonard Fournette on this roster, even though he had his struggles last night with drops and things like that in the in the passing game, even though he did end up making a phenomenal catch ball over his head and converting uh, a first down, he made up for it last night. But I'm concerned about Rojo moving forward, especially when you're, you're hard on yourself and the coaching staff realizes it enough to bench you for the rest of the game. Yeah, I, um, I think it affected him. They showed him a couple of times on the bench. One time with the towel over his head, another time just sitting there. Him and Fournette together after they had both had their struggles early in the game. Well, the time that I saw Rojo, he's by himself and pretty solid. And, you know, there's a test for situations like that. That's a test. Test on whether or not you're going to be able to handle and bounce back. You look around the league, there's plenty of guys who fumble. Plenty of guys fumble. And plenty of guys go back in the game. And they, they pick themselves up and coaches have enough confidence to give them the football again. That's the thing that's scary to me. As big as this game was, and yeah, you could say it's you know only week one, but it's still a big game in regards to everything that the pageantry that, that started before the game, being at home, you know, defending champions, all that stuff. You can people can wash that away if they want to, but the reality is that's that's part of it all. And even more so coming off of last season with nearly empty stadiums. Right. This was a you play, very you play, different atmosphere. Right. You're playing, you're playing in, front of, in front of a full house. Granted, it was probably a, a 30% Cowboy fans there, but you're still playing in a full house, your own house. And the first time that, that your all Hall of Fame greatest quarterback of all time gets to play in front of a full house, you want to win the daggone football game. 
So when it came to Ronald Jones, again, you watch guys in this league play and you watch how they react to losing the football and eventually going back in the football game. To me, honestly, and I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm in his head. I'm not telling you this is how he was, but I'm telling you from me looking at him, he didn't want to go back in the football game. Like that's how and that's a problem. If I if I'm a coach and I'm looking at you and that's the reaction that you have, that's that's how I would feel. I I'd, I'd feel like you don't want to go back in the football game. Like you got to be like Booby Miles, man. You got to be like yeah. You know what I mean? Want to win? Put booby in. Like, busted knee and all. You got you got to act like that guy on the sidelines in regards to if you fumbled. You got to have enough confidence in yourself that the coaches have confidence in you to go back in the football game. And last night, I didn't see that in the shots that I saw of Ronald Jones. And when you have a capable uh, backup, and in addition to that... Is he even the backup? Fournette started last well, night. Fournette yeah, was out there on the well, first drive. Yeah, I mean, you can go back and forth. I told you, it's going to be the hot hand thing. Yeah. Look, look, we're having this conversation right now, and six weeks from now, it could be the Ronald Jones conversation. We're talking about how good of a game he had. So, yeah. again, that's that's you know that, that's going to change. I'm not, I'm not burying him, but I'm telling you in regards to what I saw last night, when you're on the bench looking the way you look, and I have other guys I could put in the game... I'm going to put those other guys in the game because you're not, you're not acting like you want to go back in the football game. And now in addition to that, what am I going to tell those other 10 guys, especially my quarterback? Like you running plays for the guy, dude, Like you yep. got to be ready to go back in the football game. Get, get act like you want to play act like you want to, you know what I mean? I, I didn't fumble. Bruce Arians didn't fumble. You know what I mean? You fumble the football, get your head back, right. And get ready to play again. Now, some guys, it might take a it might take a day. He might wake up this morning and be like, "Damn, I should have handled it different. I should have been more like that." Or, or yeah, you know, I, I lost, you know, I lost confidence in myself a little bit, or whatever it is. But the bottom line is, it, is you got to get over that crap because you're not going to play in the NFL if you can't bounce back for something like that. Because the good ones do. And if you mention him being in the top ten, you know, who's, you know, you know, who's in the top ten running backs who fumble and who could bounce back. And I didn't see that last night from Ronald Jones. Oh, for sure, I'm with you. And again, as long as I've got a capable, capable backup, and I can put him out there, and I'm running the offense that I'm running where it fits him better anyway, because honestly, the way they were running their offense yesterday, I mean, sure, they sprinkled in the run, and it it certainly wasn't balanced. They threw a a whole lot, and you know what that means? That means you want Leonard Fournette in the game anyway, because he's the better pass catcher of the two. And there was a lot of Gio Bernard, too. At one point last night when they were both having their struggles, I said, at this rate, Giovanni Bernard is going to yeah, be – tweeted that out. I did see that. That was cute. Is going to be the starting running back come uh, week two against Atlanta. But, yeah, that, that was the – more than anything, that was the biggest worry for me last night. Obviously, we saw in the playoffs that Leonard Fournette is more than capable of being the number one running back for this football team. But I just thought, like, like I said, like I had after what I saw a lot in the regular season last year of Ronald Jones, I had a lot of high hopes for him. The guy turned things around in a big way from his early days here in Tampa Bay. And I saw that potential that why the Bucs took him in in the second round and why the Bucs thought that he had 
that he was going to be their starting running back moving forward last night was a step in the wrong direction there. And that's definitely going to be something that we have to keep our eyes on moving forward. The Bucks have 10 days moving forward. Rojo's going to have to get his head right. And obviously moving in, moving into next week's game, considering Fournette already started this past week, he was the guy that Bruce Arians decided to put out there first. And we saw what the game plan was. Maybe the game plan will be different against Atlanta, but you're, it's not a given that he's going to put you out there on the second drive. So when you do get out there, you're going to have to make the most of your, of your opportunities moving forward. Because I think because of what happened last night, I think it, I don't think it is a, a hot hand thing right now. I think Leonard Fournette is the Buccaneer starting running back right now, because I mean, look at the confidence they had in him to go back out there and correct his mistakes versus the lack of confidence that they had in Ronald Jones and maybe the lack of confidence that Ronald Jones had in himself. Well, that's the thing because I mean, I wasn't on the sidelines and and, uh, I wasn't able to see it, but Fournette may have handled his situation a little better than, than how Ronald did. Um, You know? Yeah. And, and and certainly the Fournette gaffe was just as, as, as big as, as Jones's actually maybe in, in even more, on the responsibility of Fournette because there was no punch out. There was yep. just Fournette having the ball go off his hands into someone else's hands, a defender's hands, causing an interception. So, but it matters how, again, how he handled that, how, how he handled the fact that, dang, I caused the daggone turnover. And it could be, I don't know, it, it, it could be a, a, an individual thing. But the bottom line is, is you gotta you gotta have confidence in yourself to be able to go back out there and, and know that okay that happened once, wrap tight, hold the daggone football and go back out there. Before we move on, to, uh, as far as looking at the NFL season as a whole and and giving some predictions, any other lasting takeaways from uh, from last night's game between the Bucks and the Cowboys? Yeah, again, we would we wouldn't be doing justice if. And we mentioned it briefly, but when we talked about the defense, we talked about Andrew Adams coming off the practice squad. Uh, we need to talk about Jaden Mickens coming off the practice squad. Yep. Guy who didn't make this final 53, who came, who was added to the practice squad. I didn't see this. Do we know why Darden was not active last night? Was that no. just a decision? or It might have just been I didn't see him being added to the COVID list or anything like that. No, so I don't know. It looked like it was just a coach's decision. Yeah, it might have just been a coach's decision in regards to being ready, not being ready. For um, for the bright lights, but Jaden Mickens was. I mean, the guy had a sure. forty one yard kickoff return. He was solid in punt returns, and uh, that's something we haven't seen a whole lot when it came when it comes to the return game here in Tampa Bay. A whole lot of of, of openings and threats, and and you know, in this day and age of the NFL, you don't see a whole lot of forty yard return kickoff returns. Cause just the way just the way it's set up, and uh, kudos to him again. Just like Andrew Adams, being ready, being on a practice squad. You and I, you know, we were we applauded him earlier in camp when it came to how him and Darden formed a relationship and were going through, you know, drills at, at special teams drills at at, uh, at camp, and we talked about in regards to how Mickens could be helping a guy, you know, basically take his job. Which theoretically, a week ago, that's how it looked when the final 53 came out. But 
again, huge, huge, huge kudos to Mickens for not only, again, accepting the practice squad spot, but being elevated and being ready and having the impact he had at a moment's notice. For sure. Definitely deserves kudos. And talking about special teams, Ryan Suckup, I said last year. Curse is over, baby. Curse Mr. is over. Um, a former Mr. Irrelevant ended ended the curse and definitely we don't need to talk about that anymore. Makes a last second game game winning field goal. Kicking woes aren't something that we have to worry about with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers moving forward. Now the Bucs are one and oh, the Cowboys are 0-1. That's the only game so far on the slate. And I'll be honest, last night's game. It, even though it makes me a little bit more optimistic about the Cowboys than I was when I initially went through some of what I thought was going to happen this regular season in my head. I'm not changing what my predictions were uh, going into this game. The only prediction wise that I think has changed this week for me, maybe a team out of the uh, AFC North who were hit, who were hit very rough with some injuries that might, uh, that might change my expectations for that team but Len let's start on the NFC let's start on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers side uh and let's go with let's go with just let's go with division winners I've got the Bucs winning the NFC South I've got uh the Green Bay Packers winning the NFC North I've got the Los Angeles Rams winning the NFC West and even though the Cowboys looked good last night I still think that that defense and the better quarterback play that Washington is going to get out of Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to lead to them winning the NFC East two years it, in a row. It may not make this podcast exciting, but I, I can't disagree with any of those any of those selections. The only one that I would uh, potentially question, and it's not because um, it's not because I don't think they're a good football team. I just wonder if the Rams are going to win a division or, or get in as a wild card because everyone writes off Seattle like they're just like you know like ha ha. You start looking over the last decade with, with Wilson and Pete Cowell together, there's a whole lot of 10 win seasons, man. And they just I think keep... there was one there was one year, maybe like two seasons ago, where was the the major year where everybody was like, This is the year Seattle's done. And I think I was even part of it. And I think they won the division that year. So you can never count them out for sure. I mean, with like I said, consistently win 10, 10 uh games a year. And sometimes as much as 12 and we keep writing them off. And I, and I, a lot of folks like the Niners, the, the reason why I wouldn't pick them to win a division, I think they're going to make the, the wild card, but the reason why I wouldn't pick them to win a division is because, uh, like I said before, when it comes to who's taking my snaps, don't give me this, uh, Jimmy, uh, Lance, uh, Jimmy, uh, Lance, figure it out. You want to win a Super Bowl? Get your quarterback right. Know who's going sure. to be. Know who's going to be your quarterback because they got everything else in place. I said that. I said that to you weeks ago when it comes to the, the Niners are concerned. You had an I'm, argument about how yeah, because you talk about be, you yeah. talk about the Cardinals, and I'm like, the better team, the 49ers, dude. They, they they could put me back there on one leg, bad hit, and I can get a thousand yards behind behind that offensive line. Okay, Lynn Martez, you said that you think the the 49ers are a wild card team. I'm assuming with what you just said about Seattle, you think Seattle is a wild card team. Three That's teams two. out of the West. Three teams out of the West. 
So who's your who's your third wild card in the NFC? Uh, three? Wait, wait a second. Hold on, hold on. Um, three wild cards now, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think. All four of those teams out, out west is not making it. So lose that smile you got on your face. It's not happening. Oh, I, that's 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 not where I'm going. That's not that's not where I'm going. Oh, I think you know where I'm going. You're going I have to put my you, money you, where you, my mouth. You're going is. to someone in the NFC South. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll, you I'll, think, Cal- think Carolina is going to make the playoffs? I'll get. I'll give you. I'll give you time to think about who your no, third one is. You that, got, am I right? Am I right or wrong? Yeah, you've got you've got Seattle and San Francisco. No, you I've think got, Carolina's gonna make the playoffs? Yes, I've got Seattle as well. I've got Arizona as my second wild card, and my third, the last team to get in is Carolina. Carolina is is the is the last team to to get in in the NFC South. Now, what Dallas did last night makes me a little skeptical as far as that goes. I all I I think Minnesota is in the mix too, but. I can't trust the I can't trust the Saints with with Jameis Winston as quarterback. I don't think that the the Eagles are ready. The Giants could surprise, but I can't trust Daniel Jones yet. So that's where I go with. I I like what Carolina has, especially on on the offensive side of the ball. The offensive line is shaky, yes, but I think Darnold can improve under Joe Brady. And if McCaffrey stays healthy, the weapons that they have at receiver, I think that they can get into the playoffs, even that, even if that is just with a nine-win season. Okay. All right. <clears throat> okay. Seattle, San Francisco, you, do you think it's the Saints? Do you think the Cowboys get in? I, I'm hard-pressed because I'm thinking about two teams. And ironically, um, they're both – well, I'll say three teams. I mean, I'll say this much for the sake of not making this podcast too much longer. (laughs) Uh, I like Minnesota. My only problem is, my only problem is, is that I got a quarterback that, A, you know, he's got an $85, $84 million contract that, you know, was questionable when he signed it, and he still hasn't earned it yet in the midst of that contract. Uh, Not to mention the the, the COVID protocol that goes along with, unfortunately, that, that's where we're at right now, right? That's where we're at. Bottom line, you know, usually you would think, okay, oh, well, you know, um, his elbow, his wrist, or his leg, or he suffered an injury. Now you have to factor in COVID protocol when you talk about making these type of predictions or any, any conversation as far as football is concerned. When you talk about Kirk Cousins, you got to talk about that. Yep. So, He's one of the teams, or Minnesota's one of the teams that I would I would think would certainly be up there to be that third wild card. The other team is the New Orleans Saints, who people continuously are just riding off. And granted, there are questions obviously at the quarterback position whether or not Jameis can uh, can improve in regards to the turnovers of concern. We talked about that as nausea. Michael um, Thomas as well. Also Michael Thomas, because when you when you when you talk about the Saints being able to, you know, to move the fall, move the football, it you're going to need a, a, a true number one. And right now they don't have that true number one. As, as good as Kamara is, when you start, you know, game planning for them, what are you gonna do? You can play they release you can play Kamara's in the box. backup. Yeah, Ooh, I don't uh, like them releasing Thomas. Latavius I mean, Murray, Murray. Murray. Yeah. Um but yeah, you start 
he starts stacking the box. The one good thing I, I, I've said weeks ago to you, and I'll say it again, is, you know, Jameis has an outlet that he's never had before. He has an outlet. He has Alvin Kamara, who's a guy who catches as many balls as he does, maybe not as much as McCaffrey, but certainly a whole lot, whole lot of balls. So hopefully that, that outlet, that check down, will keep him from, you know, from having the turnovers that he had. That's the second team that I that uh, I wonder about in regards to the, the third wildcard spot. And the last one is the New York Giants. And as I mentioned earlier, all three teams suspect the quarterback position from a guy who what? Who's telling you, man, give me my dude on Sundays. Well, those three, three teams, I don't know which one of those guys is really the dude. I mean. Maybe Cousins, maybe. The only reason why I say Cousins is because, man, you can't screw that up. Yeah, Dalvin Cook and two receivers that you could you could argue, you know, as far as tandems are concerned, tandems are concerned. Those guys are in the top seven. You know what I mean? To, to have Jefferson and Thielen, you know, and you're supposed to have a defensive coach and Mike Zimmer fix the defense. You know, you would think that out of those three teams I mentioned, Minnesota would be the one I lean more to. But honestly, the team I'm leaning more to <laughs> is the New York Giants. And that's because they know, you know why? Because they have direction and they know where they're going. That's huge, dude. That is huge. You got to have a foundation. You got to know what you're trying to do. And I think Galladay is going to have to prove that he's a true, that he's a true number no one. Doubt. I think that's a big part of it. No doubt. But listen, they're not going to, you know, like last yesterday's game, we watched yesterday's game, last night's game, and you watch those two teams shoot, shoot it out the way they do. The Giants aren't going to win football games like that. Mm-hmm. Giants are going to win football games the way Joe Judge's former boss is going to win football games this year in New England, that being Bill Belichick. That's, that's how the Giants are going to win. The Giants are going to win by playing solid defense, having a quarterback, hopefully that doesn't turn the football over, and having a running back that gets back to being somewhat of what he was two years ago before the, the knee injury and, and having the productivity, as you mentioned, of a, a free agent signing that's supposed to be the number one, not to mention uh, Ladarius T- uh, Tony that they drafted out of Florida and also all the guys they still have. not I mean, honestly, dude, you start thinking about their wide receiver crew and you start thinking, okay, if Galladay is actually truly a number one, I mentioned Tony. Then you talk about Sterling Shepard. Then you talk about Darius Slayton. That's four good wide receivers. For sure. You know what I mean? You, I mean, like, we always talk about how, uh, you know, Tom struggled to have weapons in the wingling. Well, if you gave him those four guys in the wingling, he'd been pretty happy, right? So That would be one of the best receiving cores he ever had. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, D- Daniel Jones, when you, when you look at the playmakers that he should have on the football field, I know Ingram's going to miss Sunday's game. But for the most part, when you start looking about the playmakers that he should have, including the running back, I mean, dude, you can't screw this up. So I'm going to go with the Giants. Long story short. So just to, just to recap really quickly, we've both got the same four division winners in the NFC, Bucks, Rams, uh, Packers, and Washington. my division winners i've got buffalo i've got kansas city and got tennessee as my four division winners uh in the american football conference how about you 
Buffalo, Kansas City, Tennessee. And who do you have in the north? Cleveland. Mr. Carson Wentz, you don't have Wentz win in the south? I think there's a lot. I think there's – that – them, I don't like that. I don't like them losing their left tackle. I still question Wentz's health. I question Quentin Nelson's health of having the same exact injury that Wentz had. Either they had such a tumultuous offseason. T.Y. Hilton, who knows when he's going to be back? I almost debated leaving them out of the playoffs completely, but I have. I just think Tennessee is in a better place right now to to win the division than. Than Indianapolis. If Indianapolis, if their offseason was all roses, I I probably would have had them winning the division and maybe even making a deep playoff run. I don't I I'm not super confident in them right now, but the depth of the AFC isn't great either. That's why I still have Indy getting in with maybe the second wild card. And a lot of that has to do with Baltimore's injuries that happened this past week. Yeah, I'll uh... I'll make this short and sweet. I don't, I don't disagree with the, the four division winners you have. I will say this much. A lot's being made of the Ravens losing the running backs that they've lost. And I'll say again, like I said, in regards to the 49ers and uh, their offensive line, the Ravens find a way. And God bless Mark Ingram. But it's been a long time since he won a Heisman Trophy in Al- from Alabama when he was at Alabama. And he was able to run behind that offensive line. I think they'll just be fine running the football. I know the Edwards injury hurts big time. Obviously, they lost J.K. Dobbins. That hurts more than, that, more than any other injuries they've had. You're still sold on their offensive line, even though they, uh, they traded, traded Brown. away. Yeah. I'm still sold on it. Okay. You don't make that deal without, without – you would hope you don't make that deal without knowing that, you know, you're going to need something to – or someone to move forward with, but when it Losing comes, Marcus to, Peters is huge too. Yeah, yeah, secondary. No, absolutely no. But when it comes to finding running backs, I know they Latarius Murray and Devontae Freeman, and I mean before long, maybe on Bell. They may be bringing back Ray Rice. Who knows? I don't know. Um, but in the end, you know, when you start talking about the way they run their offense. It really doesn't matter who's back there, dude. They were successful running with Edwards. They were going to move forward with Edwards, although they didn't have Dobbins. For sure. And part yeah. of the reason is why Dobbins had the success that he has, and anybody's going to have the success that they have back there, is the fact that when they run the football, they run it with a guy that <laughs> could keep it and run it his daggone self. And when you're a defense and you don't know if that guy who runs a 4-3, who can run by you and run by everybody else very quickly and be as explosive as he can be in Lamar Jackson, you start to worry. So sometimes it doesn't matter who he's handing off to, dude, because you're so concerned about the guy that runs the 4-3. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's just how it is. And that's how, listen, J.K. Dobbins was going to have a great year. Unfortunately, he got hurt. He was going to have a great year. He's a great talent. But one of his biggest assets is the fact that who he has handed him the football. So the same thing with Gus Edwards, and it's going to be the same thing with Terrence Murray or Devontae Freeman, whoever they have back there. So I think 
You don't want to lose the guys who've lost, obviously. You never want to have to dig deep into the depth chart or, heck, free agency to get guys off the street to join your football team. Never want that. But I think a lot's being made of the Ravens losing their running backs when, in reality, if you get quality play out of that guy, doesn't matter the name, they'll still be a threat. But I don't think they'll win the division. I think I'm with you. Cleveland will win it, and I think Ravens. You still got Baltimore in as a wild card. I still absolutely. Oh no, absolutely. No. See, I, I, I really debate. I've got, I've got Indy, and I've got the Chargers as two of my wild cards, and I'm gonna make a crazy pick, just like I did with Carolina in the NFC. I think Baltimore misses out. I think Pittsburgh misses out. I think Miami misses out. I think your final wild card in the AFC is the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, you are crazy. Yeah. I'm going to need you to, to do something after the show, drug test or something, because Vegas, yeah. well, what defense? It's a, I, I don't, I'm not saying they're going to win 11 games. I think that they're going – I don't think that the depth – They may, need, they may need to if they expect them to make the wild card. Oh, I don't think so. I don't think that the depth in the AFC is great. I don't think oh, – I'm not con- – I think it's – I'm totally not super con- – I'm not the very – The depth con- in the AFC is deeper than, than it is in the NFC. I don't think I, – I, I think this is the year that the wheels fall off in Pittsburgh. I'm worried about the ball. I'm worried about the Baltimore injuries. I'm not sold on. I'm not sold on Miami, and I think that those are the. I think those are the three teams. The other. The other team that's interesting too. That's also in the same division. The AFC West is the Denver Broncos, who have the easiest schedule uh, in the NFL this season, and a lot of people are picking them as a dark horse. Yeah. But I go. Ra- I I go Raiders over Broncos because I trust Derek Carr more than I trust, trust Teddy Bridgewater. If, if Drew Locke would have been named their starting quarterback, I might've leaned Denver, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go Raiders. I think Gruden finally, uh, finally gets, gets them in, in their first season with fans in, in Vegas. I think they're the last wildcard team. I think they go out on wildcard weekend, but I think that the Raiders get that last spot in the AFC. Yeah, okay. you, said, yeah. you said Baltimore. So who are your other, who are your A couple of things? One thing is, if Drew Locke was good enough to be the starter, he would be the starter. So trying to make him the starter and, and then deciding to pick them because they made him the starter is crazy. He ain't good enough, Trey, which means he's not good enough to be in this wild card conversation. That's number one. Number two is when it comes to Vegas, you talk about, you know, John Gooden. Let me, let, me, let me tell you something about John Gruden and how things are going to end up there. John Gruden's going to keep his job as a head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, who end up losing more than they win this year. And he'll be keeping his job. You want to know why? Because, because he got a 10-year, yeah. $10 million contract. And Mike Mayock is going to get fired for all the bad draft picks that Gruden and Mayock have made. Think about where they were when Gruden first got hired there. And think about the deal that they made to trade Khalil Mack. And, and, the audacity, and what they got out of it. And the audacity to actually, this, the conversation now is the fact that they actually called Chicago to find out what it would take to get Mack back. Not to mention the picks that they made after trading Mack and the guys that haven't panned out. Cleveland Farrell and all the other trash they've drafted. And you think the Raiders are one of the best teams at AFC? 
Oh, come on. I didn't, say they're one of the, I didn't say they're one of the best. You called them a playoff think... team. That's one of the best teams in AFC. That's one of the best teams in AFC if they're, if they're a playoff team. That's number one. Um, I mean, the Bears made the playoffs last year, and I didn't consider them one of the best teams in the NFC. If they're a playoff team, they're one of the best teams. That's bottom line. You make the okay. playoffs, you're one of the best teams. I didn't say you're the top team. I didn't say you're the top five. You made the playoffs, you're one of the best teams. As far okay. as the other, other two wild cards for me, I, I, I keep hearing you talk and you're not, I, I have yet to hear you talk about, <laughs> and maybe because you don't want to talk about Mac Jones and the New England Patriots. They're not even on my radar. No. I, I, I would have loved this. Uh, I would have loved this conversation. Week one, after week one, after um, the big Bucks went at home, 31-29, that following Friday, Trey Downey and I, Len Martez, had this conversation, and you literally said, the Patriots aren't even on my radar. Yet, you think a team that could, w- that could win 10 games could make the playoffs. Because the Raiders the Patriots- ain't winning no more than 10 games. Yeah, but I think, the Patriots, I think the Patriots win five, six games. I think they have a top 10 draft pick. Oh, I can't wait till this season's over. I want it to be over now. You think the Pats are going to win five or six games this year and go five and 12, six and 11? Oh, you know what? We need to get this podcast done because I need to get you to, to urgent care to get drug tested, dude. Oh, my God. You're killing I don't know, me. I don't know why you're so sold on them. Why, because of why the, are they? Because of the additions they've made to their defense, the additions, the, maybe, maybe subtle, but additions they made to their offense. Their offensive line, line is stout. They may have one of the best defenses in the daggone lead. And you think, How many points are they scoring, though? It doesn't matter. They've won, they won before doing exactly what they're going to do this year. Okay, but that, that's fine. New England's going to make the playoffs. And the third okay, who's your last one? Miami. Two no Chargers. Wow. I was going go to go with the Chargers because I love me some Justin Herbert, by the way. Um, I was going to go with the Chargers. But you know what? You know why I won't go with the Chargers? Every time I turn on, Austin Eckler is hurt. My dude, you always hurt. You're my number one running back. I can't, I, you know what I mean? Uh, granted, I may have a quality backup, but I still need, I still need my guy who's going to catch the football and give my, be my safety valve for my second year uh, quarterback. And it's another hamstring injury, just yeah, like dude, last year I mean, too. So come on, man, I need you to play. You know what I mean? Best ability, availability, and you need to be available. Just. Uh, Austin, not right. Downey, so, not Austin Downey, Austin Eckler. Shout out, Austin Shout Downey. Out. Uh, Name drop. <laughs> Super Bowl predictions. I, it's so hard. Since the Patriots did it in 30, Super Bowl 38 and 39, there, have not, there has not been a back-to-back uh, Super Bowl winner in the NFL, and not since the 90s, since the Dallas Cowboys and the Buffalo Bills played each other in back-to-back Super Bowls have we seen the same two teams in a Super Bowl rematch and I so badly want to tell you that it is Bucks and Chiefs again but everything 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 says that it just can't happen do it and I think do it I think that there's a team in the AFC that is closer to that is closer to the Chiefs 
than what the than what I think the Rams are to the Bucks right now. Did that, does think, that team play in Orchard Park? I think that the Bucks get back to the Super Bowl and they face Chris Berman's. Nobody circles the wagon. Orchard Park, like the like the Buffalo Bills. I think what they went through last year in the playoffs, their first real taste of it as a team making a playoff run. I think they learn a lot from that. And I think that they get past the Chiefs in this year's AFC Championship. I go Bucks, Bills in LA for the Super Bowl. And you know what? I'm going to do it. I think the Bucks are the best team in the NFL. I think they win back-to-back Super Bowls. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't necessarily have the same love you have for the Bills, but I will say you made up hugely for your Patriots take because I can, I can see everything that you said in regards to the Bills. My only problem with Buffalo Bills is the fact that their best running back is their quarterback. And I know I talked about how Lamar Jackson is what he is and and he does what he does for the Ravens and he's the threat that he is for uh, defenses, but I'm not picking him to win the Super Bowl. I'm not picking the Ravens to win the Super Bowl. I'm not even picking them to win a division. I'm, I'm picking them to be a wild card. And when it comes to the Buffalo Bills, if they want to do what you said they'll do, they're gonna need home field. Going to need home field. I really can't see them or anyone else, for that matter, going into KC and beating the Chiefs in Arrowhead. And I know the Cleveland Browns gave them a run for their money in the game that Mahomes got hurt. But let's remember something about Kansas City. And everyone talks about Kansas City and they talk about last year's Super Bowl team. But at least in my eyes, when the conversation is being had, there's omissions of what they've done in the offseason. I mean, you talked about- They've had a great offseason. Right up talk, there with the Bucks is the best. Great offseason to a team that already made the Super Bowl last year. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, yeah. when, and when you talk about great offseason, I'm talking about, like you mentioned, for instance, you could argue one, two best offseasons. You can, you can pick and choose. Bucks, Chiefs, Chiefs, Bucks, whatever it is. Uh, but the bottom line is you could argue that the, the teams that had the best off seasons were the teams that won the Super Bowl last year. For it was one, really hard not to go back to back with that. It was really one, hard. Yeah, one for, for retaining who they retained in the Buffalo in the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the other in the Chiefs, who solidified potentially the one one of the weaknesses, if not the biggest weakness they had. In the offensive line, you talked about the Ravens losing Brown the, and the Chiefs picked him up and they also signed a couple of other guys too. So I think my, my only issue with the Chiefs is their secondary. Um, I wish they had more of a lockdown corner, but other than that, they're going back to back. It's going to be the same two teams as last year. Super Bowl 56 in uh, SoFi, LA, whatever it's yep. called. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be the, the two same two teams that played it in, in Raymond James last year. And that would probably be, I mean, we talk about ratings and stuff like that. In LA, Brady Mahomes two, it definitely could be the biggest Super Bowl of all time. That's gonna do it for this week's show. It was a long one, but there was a lot to talk about. We had a game to talk about and look forward to the season. We'll be back with you every week moving forward into the NFL season. We'll uh 
recap what happens this Sunday and the rest of the games, but more importantly, we'll preview the Bucks facing the Atlanta Falcons next week. Once again, he has been Lynn Martez. Follow him on Twitter at Elmar810. I am Trey Down. Follow me on Twitter at TD Experience and follow Bucks Nation at Bucks underscore Nation and always check out BucksNation.com. Until next week, this has been Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast.